Good morning and welcome to the Proactive IT Cybersecurity Daily number 197. It is Thursday, September 3rd, 2020. I'm your host, Scott Gumbar, and is your company exposing network services to the internet? This podcast is brought to you by Nuage Tech, a client-focused and security-minded IT consultant based in Central Connecticut. You can visit us at nuagetech.com. That's N-W-A-J-Tech.com. All right, happy Thursday. Welcome to another episode of the Proactive IT Cybersecurity Daily, where we talk about cybersecurity news and compliance news and anything that'll shake your IT staff to the core. I don't know. I'm just throwing stuff out there. Wherever you listen to this, if you could like, share, comment, or review, that would be great. And if you're in a HIPAA compliant business, please go to Facebook and or LinkedIn. Type get HIPAA compliance into the search and join the group because you'll need that group eventually. I don't know. Uh, We do have a lot of news today, so we're going to kind of go through it pretty quickly. First up, Microsoft did release an update to Office. Um, One of the changes being an Outlook Outlook fallback encryption. Microsoft released the September 2020 non-security Microsoft updates with performance improvements and fixes for several issues affecting Windows installer editions of Office 2016 and Office 2013. This month's KBE, K, yeah, KBE, KBE 448-4511 Office update also changes the default fallback encryption from Microsoft Outlook 2016 from 3DES to AES 256. And if you ever want an exciting learning, exciting, exciting classroom, learn about the different ways of encryption. It actually is pretty cool. Um, so they're going back to AES 256. The default fallback encryption is chosen if the recipient certification doesn't have secure multi-purpose internet mail extensions, S slash MIME, capabilities published to the certificate Microsoft explains. KBE 448, it's not KBE, I don't know why I keep saying that. KB 448-4251 addresses a OneNote crash caused by user agent overflows by enabling the truncated of a user agent string. And Microsoft also fixed multiple Skype for Business 26 issues preventing users from hangout calls, leading to screen sharing fails in certain scenarios. Um, It is, again, a non-security update, so it's not critical. But if you're experiencing any of those issues, you should probably install the update. The patch Tuesday is next Tuesday, so we'll see all of that stuff next week. On threat post, Joker, Spyware, plagues more Google Play apps. The six malicious apps have been removed from Google Play, but could still threaten 200,000 installs. Google has deleted six apps from its Google Play marketplace that were infecting users with Joker malware, a.k.a. Bread. Together, the apps which tout functionalities ranging from text messaging to emoji wallpaper account for nearly 200,000 installs, researchers with Paradio said in a post this week. As of Wednesday, Google confirmed with threat posts that all infected applications have been removed from Google Play, but researchers said that they are still installed on the devices of their users and urged users to immediately delete the apps. So here are the apps. The apps are Convenient Scanner 2, that has 100,000 installs, separate doc scanner with 50,000 installs, safety app locker with 10,000, push message texting, and SMS with 10,000, emoji wallpaper with 10,000, and fingertip game box with 1,000 installs. So if you have those on your Android device, you should uninstall them immediately. On bleeping computers, Cisco fixes critical code execution bug in Jabber for Windows. Cisco today addressed a critical severity 
remote code execution vulnerability affecting multiple versions of its Cisco Jabber for Windows software. Um, Cisco Jabber for Windows is a desktop collaboration app designed to provide users with presence, instant messaging, cloud messaging, desktop sharing, as well as audio, video, and web conferencing. The vulnerability was found and reported by Olav Sortland Thorson of Watchcom. The Cisco product security incident response team says the that the flaw is not currently exploited in the wild. So that is good news. There is a remote code execution. If you use Cisco Jabber, I used to use it. Um, I found it a little glitchy anyway, so um, no longer use it. Fortunately for me, and uh, but if you use it, you should you should push out the latest edition. We have a couple of data breaches in schools. Uh, data breach confirmed in ransomware attack on Haywood County Schools in Waynesville, North Carolina. And a cyber attack plus software failure responsible for Miami-Dade schools. So we have a few school systems being impacted by cyber attacks and or ransomware attacks. Miami-Dade and Hayes, Hayes, Haywoods, Hayeswood. Is it Hayeswood? Haywood. Haywood County Schools in North Carolina. Bleep the computers hacked. Hackers actively exploiting severe bug in over 300,000 WordPress sites. Hackers are actively exploiting a critical remote code execution vulnerability, allowing unauthenticated attackers to upload scripts and execute arbitrary code on WordPress sites running f vulnerable file manager plugin versions. On the morning of September 1st, Saravo's on call security officer, Vil Kor Honan, was the first to discover the flaw and the fact that threat actors were already attempting to exploit it in attacks designed to upload malicious PHP files into vulnerable websites. Within hours after Core Honan spotted the attacks and reported the vulnerability to the plugins developer, file manager's devs patched the severe flaw with the release of version 6.9. The file manager plugin is currently installed on more than 700,000 WordPress sites and the vulnerability impacts all versions between 6 and 6.8. WordFence researchers were also informed of this ongoing attack on the morning of September 1st by RC's Gonzalo Cruz, who provided them with working proof of concept, allowing them to look into how to block the attacks. The WordPress security company later said that the WordFence, WordFence web application firewall was able to block about out over 450,000 exploit attempts during the last several days. WordFence said that the hackers are trying to upload PHP files with the web shells concealed within images to the WP Content Plugins WP File Manager Lib Files folder. There were also seen first probing potentially vulnerable sites with empty files and only if the attack is successful trying to inject the malicious scripts. NinTechNet also reported the exploit attempts and said the attackers were attempting to upload a malicious hard fork.php which allows them to inject malicious code within the WordPress sites wp-admin-ajax.php and wp-includes-user.php scripts. What makes the attack even more interesting is that the hackers will also immediately try to prevent others from compromising an already infected site by password protecting the files exposed to writing by the file manager vulnerability. So it sounds like a significant number of the hacker community is aware of this vulnerability already. So if you're using um, file manager, 
plugin on your WordPress site, make sure you have version 6.9 installed. If you're one of those 300,000 people that has not updated or doesn't have a planned update, good luck. On Bleepy Computer, we have a couple of stories about Emotet now. Epic fail Emotet malware uses fake windows to mobile attachments. The Emotet malware is now using malicious email attachment that pretends to be made by Windows 10 Mobile, an operating system that reached the end of life in January 2020. The Emotet botnet spreads through spam emails that contain malicious Word documents. These Word documents contain malicious macros that will download and install Emotet on victim's computer when enabled. Once installed, Emotet will steal a victim's email to use in additional spam campaigns and download and install other malware such as TrickBot or QBot, which we've talked a lot about in the last few weeks, which commonly lead to network-wide ransomware attacks. So those two do not. Those are credential-stealing, um, credential-grabbing malware. But then those two will then download the ransomware. When a Word document with, with macros is open, Microsoft Word will open it into protective view that does not allow the macros to execute. Due to this, Emotet malware operators create stylized Word documents that are designed to trick the user into clicking the enabled editing and enable content buttons so the macros will be enabled. In a recent update to malicious Word documents, Emotet tracking group Cryptolamus have discovered that a new document template is being used that pretends to be created on Windows 10 Mobile. Windows 10 mobile operating system was re was first released in 2015 and due to lack of market share, it reached the end of life in January 2020. While there are people who continue to use the Windows 10 mobile today, it is not a large user base and the chances that anyone is sending you documents from mo Windows 10 mobile device is relatively low. So if you get a document from Windows 10 mobile, don't open it. On uh, Cyware, Emotet malware operators are apparently on a continuous mission of enhancing the notorious malware family. They have recently come up with a new way to target their victims into opening up malicious documents. Until some time ago, Emotet botnet campaigns used an iOS-themed document template that informed users that the document was created on iOS and user needs to enable content to view it properly. However, that is not the case anymore. On August 25th, the botnet started using a new template for its malicious Word documents. Researchers named it Red Dawn due to its red accent colors. The Red Dawn template shows the message that the document is protected and preview is not available to view the document content. Users are urged to click the enable content button. Clicking on the button will actually execute the macros and install Emotet malware on the victim's system. After infecting the system, Emotet malware may deliver other malware such as TrickBot or QBot and ransomware such as Conti or Prolog. In the end of August, TA542 was seen extending its Emotet campaigns to new geographical areas such as Indonesia, Philippines, Sweden, and India. TA542 was also found leveraging country-specific local languages and popular topics such as COVID-19 to lure its victims. Despite the detection and use of kill switch, Emotet attacks rose to a prominence by volume in July 2020 as per Checkpoint report. So kind of similar to the Windows 10 Mobile, but not exactly. This is for iOS, and um, that would be Apple Mobile. Attackers abuse Google DNS over HTTPS to download malware. This is on Bleepy Computer. Earlier this year, Bleepy Computer reported on hackers hiding malware and fake Windows error logs. After gaining access to a Windows system and achieving persistence, the malware would read from a .chk file that impersonated event logs. The apparent hexadecimal characters on the right side are actually decimal 
characters used to construct an encoded payload via rogue scheduled tasks. More information has emerged on this complex malware and some other sinister text tasks it carries out. While revisiting the malware sample, researchers at MSP threat detection provider Huntress Labs noticed a suspicious URL in the PowerShell code they had previously analyzed. The suspicious domain, jQueryUpdateJS.com, immediately caught the attention of John Heyman, senior security researcher at Huntress Labs. While Google DNS is being used to resolve the suspicious domain, the response returned via Google DNS contains the malicious payload in an encoded form as verified by bleeping computer. Heyman was provided has provided bleeping computer with some additional insights. This technique of requesting DNS records over HTTPS is nothing novel, but it is very clever. Oftentimes, DNS filtering is in place on a corporate network to block access to malicious websites, but blocking web traffic to Google.com over a secure HTTPS connection, that's unheard of. Hammond states that while DNS over HTTPS is becoming popular, it isn't specific to malware and has legitimate use cases. DNS over HTTPS, DOH for short, is becoming more prevalent with the conversation of security versus privacy. It's not a technique specific to malware has its own normal use case in the real world it just so happens that since there are so many defensive protections on other communications and exfiltration exfiltration techniques doh is becoming a more viable option for attackers using an external server and even a dynamic dns entry benefits the hacker by allowing them complete customization and control in their attack if they ever need to swap out the malicious payload or adjust the servers using for triaging, they could do that without relying on their access to the victim. To the casual eye, the data field value returned by the Google DNS query may look like a DKIM signature, but this is yet another deceptive trick employed by the attackers. This value appears to be base64 encoded string, but there is a caveat. Attempting to decode the entire string at once using a base64 decoder produces gibberish data. This is because the forward slash character serves as a separator, much like a space, and isn't part of the payload. When decoding each value separated the slash separately, Hammond yet again obtained different base64 values. Decoding these a second time revealed large numbers. These are nothing but decimal representations of valid IP address. For example, typing 148423 a6 and a web browser address bar resolves to 88.119.175.95. We do not re- recommend attempting this. The original payload would pick any of these IP addresses at random to download the next stage payload. The innocuous looking DNS lookup query provided flexibility to the attackers to make the command and control infrastructure dynamic. They could change the CNC server IP list at will by simply updating the DNS responses. Keep in mind the attacker had Flexible control of these last few payloads, the jQueryUpdate.js.com domain and the text entry, TXT entry, were external and could be easily updated or changed. The third-party malware servers could be moved in and out of the rotation, and the final payload that was retrieved could certainly be customized at any time, said Huntress Labs blog post. So they teach you, when you're you're doing um, any networking classes, they teach you how to convert IP into decimal and uh, even binary. Uh, so this, what they're saying here is instead of using IP addresses, they're using the decimal version of the IP address to kind of um, hide 
themselves in plain sight, I guess you could say. All right, also on Bleepy Computer, Magento plugin, MagMe, vulnerable to hijacking admin sessions, a cross-site request forgery, CSRF, vulnerability, continues to be present in the MagMe plugin for Magento online stores, despite developers receiving a report from researchers that discovered it. Hackers can use the flaw to execute arbitrary code on servers running MagMe, which is a Magento mass importer, by tricking authenticated administrators into clicking a malicious link. The plugin works as a Magento database client that can add a large number of products, millions according to its wiki page, to a catalog, or update it. So if you're using MagMe, be, be warned. There is a vulnerability that apparently is not fixed yet. So just be aware that that is out there. And on Tech Republic, 33% of companies expose unsafe network services to the Internet. The findings of a new report validate the correlation between poor network hygiene and the prevalence of, under of wider security issues in the digital supply chain. A new report finds that 33% of companies within the digital supply chain expose common network services such as data storage, remote access, and network administration to the Internet. So remote access would be remote desktop protocol. Often data storage, we see S3 buckets all the time, and Elasticsearch databases exposed and network administration would be the ability to to manage a router remotely as such admins should either eliminate so one-third of companies are doing this according to this report as such admins should either eliminate direct internet access or deploy compensating controls for when or if such devices are required according to the report by risk recon a mastercard company and the cybersecurity research services firm scientia institute the research is based on risk recon's assessment of millions of internet-facing systems across approximately 40,000 commercial and public institutions. The company said Scienti and Risk Recon analyzed the data in two ways. The direct proportion of internet-facing hosts running unsafe services as well as the percentage of companies that expose unsafe services somewhere across their infrastructure. The findings validate the correlation between unsafe network services and the prevalence of wider security issues in the digital supply chain, Risk Recon said. The research concludes that the impact is further heightened when vendors and business partners run unsafe exposed services such by, by their digital supply chain customers, the company said. Blocking internet access to unsafe network services is one of the most basic security hygiene practices, said Kelly White, CEO and co-founder of Risk Recon. In a statement, the fact that one-third of companies in the digital supply chain are failing and one of the most basic cybersecurity practices should serve as a wake-up call to executives and third-party risk management teams. We added that IT and security teams have long have a long way to go in hardening the infrastructure that will all depend to on to safely operate our businesses and protect consumer data. Risk managers will be well served to leverage objective data to better understand and act on their third party risk. Further research findings include direct internet access to database services should be prohibited within the top three unsafe network services. Data stores such as S3 buckets, MySQL databases are the most commonly exposed. Digital transformation and the shift to remote work needs to be considered. Remote access is the second most commonly exposed service. Admad admins should consider restricting the access accessibility of these services only to authorized and internal users. Universities are woefully exposed with a culture that boasts open access to information and collaboration. The education sector has the greatest tendency to expose unsafe network services on non-student systems with nearly 52% of universities running unsafe device services. Sorry. 
global regions lack proper security postures. Countries such as Ukraine, Indonesia, Bulgaria, Mexico, and Poland confirm the highest rate of domestically hosted systems running unsafe services. Beware of Elasticsearch and MongoDB. Firms that expose these services to the internet have a four to five time higher rate of severe security findings than those who do not run on internet-facing hosts. Unsafe services uncover other security issues. Failing to patch software and implement web encryption are two of the most prevalent security findings associated with unsafe services. Following education, the sectors exposing unsafe services include agriculture, nearly 46%, hospitality, 44%, manufacturing, 43%. This research should help organizations struggling under the pressure to conduct exhaustive and time-consuming security assessments of their external business partners, noted by Jay Jacobs, partner and co-founder of Scientia Institute. Similar to how medical doctors diagnose illnesses through various outward signs exhibited by their patients, third-party risk programs can perform quick, reliable diagnostics to identify Underlying cybersecurity ailments, Jacob said in a statement, not only is the presence of unsafe network services a problem in, in itself, but the data we examined in this report also shows that there is a symptom of a broader problem. That is going to do it for the Thursday edition of the Proactive IT Cybersecurity Daily. So until, until tomorrow, stay healthy, stay safe, and stay secure.